This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody, I'm Ian Doyle and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast in association with 45, the new score prediction game from the pools. Simply predict five correct match scores and you could win £25,000. To play 45 this weekend, visit thepools.com. You need to be in the UK and over 18 years of age to play. Joining me on our latest Blood Red podcast this week is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. He's having a well-earned day off. However, I am pleased to announce that I'm joined by Christian Walsh. Hello, Christian. Hello, Doily. How are you? <laughs> okay, that, that was very regimented. A chipper uh, response after a routine 3-0 win. A routine, and you do like your routine 3-0 away win, the 16th yes. ever in the yes. Premier League era. <laughs> That's how routine they are. <laughs> and also, uh, we're a man down, unfortunately, but we are a man very much up in the sense that it's the <laughs> tallest member of the sports desk. It's Paul Gorse. Hello, hello Paul. Hello, Ian. How are you? I am okay. I believe that you don't like very much that I keep calling you tall Paul, though. No, it doesn't bother me at all. It's uh, me. My stepfather takes umbrage with it, and he always makes the points of it, but it doesn't uh, bother me at all. All right. Oh, fair enough. We're upsetting family members, the ghost family <laughs> members. No, 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 no we. It's, it's strictly you, I think. <laughs> fair enough. Also, right. by the way, you say James is on a day off. Yeah, that's he is Keep, keep yeah, an eye out on the website he, later. He has been working hard mm. while also technically not being in work. That is... The kind of professional that he is. But he was he at Anfield stops. before. He was, A little indeed. bit of a tease for you. He, okay, stop interrupting. Thank you. Right. He was also <laughs> he was also at Vicarage Road with me on Saturday, Christian, <laughs> to watch Liverpool uh, end up defeating Watford 3-0. First hour wasn't particularly brilliant. Certainly the first 35 minutes wasn't brilliant. But once Liverpool worked their way into the game and realised that, hang on, Watford aren't actually that good. They're not really going to hurt us. They managed to you know step up through the gears. Firmino, Roberto Firmino, he, once he got to grips with that position, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later on, just behind Mohamed Salah, he was, he was integral, played his part in the first goal and once Salah scored, that was more or less it and it was, as you have already pointed out, pretty routine in the end. It all worked out well in the end, didn't it? Because I must admit, half an hour in, I was half expecting to see Gareth Southgate come off the bench and, and nod one in because it really did feel like everybody made this big deal about game number 13 and what happened in the 2002-3 season where Gareth Southgate uh, nodded past the... Was it Dudek? It was Dudek. Yeah, it was Dudek, yeah. it, uh, And then it all went to pot for Liverpool. I think that's the technical term after that. Um, but no, Liverpool had a very turgid, uneventful first half hour. It sprung into life. I think it basically just clicked in their heads, didn't it? And I think they got a bit of a rollicking in the uh, in, in the dressing room at half-time and, and came out a different team. I think what you saw as well is this pattern that's emerging where Liverpool go all out in the last five minutes of the half, which I find quite interesting. Um, and they could have scored twice, three times in that period, re- retained that momentum for the second half. And it, as you say, it was a, a victory founded on the front three for a, for a change this season. It's very much been... Uh, fantastic defensive performances that have largely been the the cornerstone of what Liverpool have been doing so well. But it was nice to see, you know, Firmino sliding Mane. You then give it to Salah to, to get Liverpool up and running. And from there on, you sort of saw Liverpool at the not at the devastating best from last season, but certainly what they do well, and that's when they smell a little bit of blood. They they sense a bit of weakness. They they pounce and you know. He pretty much didn't give Watford the sniff from that point onwards. So, you know, highly commendable performance, and, and I certainly would have taken that after half an hour. I tell you that much. I mean, Ghosty Watford beat Tottenham at Vicarage Road earlier this season. Mm. They nearly turned it around against United, a bit unlucky not to get at least a point out of that. And they have historically been quite 
difficult for Liverpool to play against. I mean, last season's game, obviously, it finished 3-0. Yeah. There was a 3-0 with uh, Adam Bogdan a couple of years ago. And it, it took a remarkable goal from Emery Chan to win uh, 2017. Sorry. Yeah. So once that first goal goes in, though, it did completely change the context of the match. And as Christian said, there was this sense that Liverpool knew that they were better and they could just grind through the gears and they were never really a threat, Watford. However, they did almost have a penalty or should they have had a penalty when Will Hughes collided or fell over the leg of Andy Robertson or hit, or Andy Robertson kicked Will Hughes, depending yeah. on which way you look at it. I mean, at the time, I thought immediately that's a penalty. Mm, immediately. Yeah. And then when you see the replays, I don't know whether it's your own mind is convincing yourself, you're thinking, hang on, has he, has he even touched him here? I mean, if the penalty's given, I don't think anyone can complain, but... Do you think it was perhaps as nailed on as I thought it was straight away? It, it did look it, to be honest. And I think the big giveaway was probably Firmino, who wasn't far away from the from when it happened. Um, the ball, Will Hughes and, and Robertson have to come in together and then the ball spills out of the box and Firmino stops. Um, he's just expecting the whistle to be blown and when it doesn't, he, he kind of starts running again. And I think that was probably the, the biggest telltale sign of it all because from the, I mean, I've only seen one angle of it on the replay and you can't really tell if, if he catches him or not you, you don't know how far his left foot is away from Hughes's shin or whether he, he catches him flush or he hasn't quite touched him so it's uh, it was a difficult one but when I first seen it I thought yeah that was a penalty and Liverpool have got away with it and from Firmino's reaction as well I think it, it was one where Liverpool have, have been lucky to, to basically get away with it and, and play on. I mean, it's not the first time this season Liverpool have had a penalty decision that could have gone against them, that's gone for them. I'm thinking of at Huddersfield, there was a couple of handballs for... Tottenham. But yeah, there was Tottenham as well. There. Yeah. And, and while Liverpool haven't been getting penalties at Anfield and everyone's made a big deal of it, they're kind of getting the rub of the green the other way, aren't they? By the looks of it. I know every team has tackles that could be a penalty and we could be going on about this all day, but there are some examples of clear ones that you could say, well, ooh, they got away with one there. They did. Uh, they, they certainly got away with one at Tottenham, but I thought they probably deserved that because they were by far the better team, weren't mm. they, that day at Wembley. And they probably got lucky with the, the two against Red Star as well in the Champions League. I, I thought either of them could have gone the other way, and, you know, with, with the handball and, and the, the push on Mane. So maybe Liverpool are getting a little, little bit uh, the rub of the green this season, but long may that continue. And um, It's just one of them, isn't it? You know, you do get get lucky with it, but you've got to kind of uh, capitalise on it. And Liverpool certainly did that on Saturday. And the, kept, sorry, I was just the inclination is always to look at what Liverpool don't get, but mm. it's you know to be fair, certainly in a, in, a, in a couple of situations, that Watford one that, that that for me is not necessarily a penalty all day long, but you you see it given seven out of ten. Yeah, maybe? If, he's give, if he gives it, then no one complains. They'll no. say because I was going to ask the question of it's rare that you see Andy Robertson make a put himself in that position where mm. he does something so not excitable or rash but he he did kind of leave his leg out didn't he and gave him the opportunity oh he's the, he invited you know he, yeah. he certainly invited the contact and I think mm. Will Hughes you know took that invitation with a plumb but yeah it was, it, it, was a, it was a scary moment for Liverpool and, and one of those where ultimately on match of the day afterwards and Sky Sports deal probably slow it down to the nth degree and say oh well he hasn't actually made contact there but in real time you watch it and you go that's a penalty yeah. that how's he not given that it's true. I mean, the first goal, as we just mentioned then, all important. Once again, it's Mohamed Salah who gets it. And I think I did. I wrote a piece. Well, I don't think I wrote a piece. I know I wrote a piece. But if the stats were something like, oh, he's, uh, what has he got now? 54 or 55 or something like that? 54. He, yeah, he's, he's a lot of goals in 70 appearances. I think 15 of them have been opening goals in, in wins for Liverpool, whether it be like against Brighton and Huddersfield this season where it was the only goal. But 
the way that teams tend to set up against Liverpool, you know, pat defence, make life difficult. That first goal is always tends to be the most, well, it's always the most important one. You know, opens the floodgates, even if they're, if they're winning like against Cardiff 4-1 or whatever. Mm. It, it, it's Messi-esque. And that's not me necessarily comparing Mo Salah to Lionel Messi, but I'll Which do you just it anyway. immediately yeah, have done, yes. <laughs> put, that, put that on your back page. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it is in terms of, he, he is very much the dictionary definition now of Liverpool's titles, man. He is the... The, the player who they look towards, not necessarily saying that they're a one-man team, you know, far from it. We, we know that from you know, Liverpool scores. How many goals scored last season? 91 between the three of them, there 135 goes, in all competitions. There goes the rain there man again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he got 44 of them, so... How many matches? No, so it's, it's a rain man joke, it doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> Baseball. Uh, so, you know, he is very much Liverpool's talisman now and and he is he's vital to Liverpool the way he plays. Even supposedly having this slowish start of the season um, he's, he's finding spaces I mean I think that that, that could have, I, I feel silly for talking about it back in September October now about how he, he mightn't look the well, same he only, player. Had one, he only really had one bad game which was Napoli wasn't mm. it that was the one bad game and he wasn't the only yeah. one Chelsea away he was a little bit off colour wasn't he but then that was shots, but, but that was he was getting into the positions yeah, though, wasn't yeah. he so yeah. he wasn't he wasn't not giving himself the chance it was just his finishing was quite poor and I think I think people have been saying that to be fair you know it happened last season where his you know, don't expect the goal. Sorry to bring it up, but basically, he was he was always going to find the back of the net because he was getting into so many goal scoring positions, and we know he's got the quality to find the back of the net. So it was just a matter of time, and and so it's proven. He's, he, he, as you say, he's vitally important. It's all the more impressive this season in a way because he is so clearly a marked man, and yet still manages to wriggle away, find a little bit of space, and that's where the the, the Messi comparison comes from because everybody knows how how good Lionel Messi is. I'll throw Ronaldo in there. Everyone knows how good these players are, but you still can't stop them. Yeah. Is he being? Is he because of the way that he did last season? How he scored all those goals? Is there a danger that perhaps not being taken for granted, but? You know, fans aren't quite as appreciative of what he does because that's what it's expected from him now. Oh, definitely, yeah. As I say, I think when he comes to Liverpool as a £37 million forward, I think you're looking at maybe 15 to 20 at a push and thinking that's a really good debut season. And then he goes and scores 44, which is just a, a, an incredible number. It's, it's Ronaldo and it's Messi-esque and no one else seems to get anywhere near, near that kind of level. And he scores the most goals in a 38-game Premier League season, in his first season. And it's just, you know, you run out of words for how good that is. So I suppose when he's he's following her up again, you're kind of expecting him to, to match it. So there is a danger of him kind of going a little bit under the radar and underappreciated to an extent. But as you you, you made the point earlier about the, the importance of the goals he scores, he's not scoring two in a, in a 5-0 win and, and a fourth and the fifth. He's opening the... The, uh, the the scoring in, in these important games and for Liverpool that's so important because there's so many games where um, Liverpool just need to get that opener you know seen it against Fulham didn't we they were struggling a little bit and as soon as he scores that it's comfortable for the rest of the game so that's uh, that can't be overlooked really he's making first touches last season in front of the cop and it elicits a massive ooh or a, a, a you know a gasp of, of appreciation applause whatever he's still doing that but it's just because everybody's so used to seeing him pluck yeah. these 60 yard crossfield balls into his instep as just he's he's almost underappreciated because everybody's just accepted this genius but he's scored nine goals now this season that's, that's one bad. that's one more than Eden Hazard who's having 
the best season of his career. PFA played of the year. Indeed. Um, but I couldn't believe, because we had this conversation yesterday in the office, I couldn't believe Harry Kane's got 11, which is a lot. But I thought Harry Kane had about 100, simply because he always just seems to score <laughs> yeah. for Tottenham. He always seems to score. And the way that you, we look at maybe Kane and go, well, in my mind, think, oh, well, Tottenham scored. Oh, Kane scored again. Kane scored again. That must be how other fans of other teams look at Salah and go, oh, Liverpool win. Oh, Salah, oh, Salah scored again. again. Yeah. And it's just because it's become accepted. You know, it's a little bit like Aguero at Man City. This season, he'll have 30 goals. Easy. He's not never and been he, the, play, the team always, of the year. Yeah, never been the team of the year. So his, his fellow goals. professionals yeah. don't even rate Aguero in a weird way because there's already so, always somebody who's that little bit more spectacular than him, but he's consistently is, superb. Is this then an issue that Liverpool themselves as, as a team are having to overcome that people are expecting them to play? Because Klopp said this after the game. He says, look, OK, we've won 3-0 against Watford. And he was asked a question about, is it good that this, like you mentioned, this is a more mature performance you know more controlled this that and the other said you enjoy and he says yeah and says well did, you know did, did you not enjoy it he said to the the journalist who asked the question wasn't me by the way um and you don't ask questions yeah I didn't, I didn't ask any questions <laughs> whatsoever um but he did he did say that um he did say look it's do you want it to be like Roma last season 5-2 or do you want it to be like Man City 4-3 where we go like 4-1 5-0 ahead and then we just make it far more interesting by conceding some goals at the end he says we can't do that and he says most games we didn't play like that last season we had a lot of games where we didn't play particularly well but got results then obviously then thought back to the Watford game he says look at Watford you know we didn't play particularly brilliantly and then he remembered we didn't even win that game which is why we ended up 25 points behind Man City so this is the change that they're having to make but Maybe less so now, but certainly for the opening few months of the season, fans were expecting every game to be like the Man City game or the Roma game. And he did mention this a few times, certainly the Roma game. It's not going to happen all the time like that, it's is not, it? I also think it's almost a unique situation where what Liverpool did last season was was it was almost like a supernova in terms of it came out absolutely out of nowhere and just absolutely exploded. So it was a champagne supernova. It was a champagne yeah. supernova in the sky. We shouldn't really have all the Oasis lyrics, though, considering that they're trying to chase down Man City. Well, maybe maybe they need to slide over. Stop. Oh. We're going to be here all day now. Go on. Let's just roll with it. Go on. Oh. I was reaching for the cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Some might say that was funny. I'm going to try and shoehorn Trent's free kick over the, <laughs> over, over the wonder wall in a bit. Um, it just reminds me very quickly of when uh, Liverpool play Man City in the Champions League and George Sefton decided to play an Oasis mega mix before the game. That was that was top work. Um, really got everybody riled up to play Manchester City. <laughs> Very welcome, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> More welcome than the bus, to be fair. Um, so yeah, what we were talking about other than Oasis? Uh, it was after, you know about Liverpool and the expectation and the fact that that, that they're having. Yeah, to, so there yeah. Was, it, it came out of nowhere. Really, I think everybody thought Liverpool would have a good season that they kick on under Klopp. But 135 goals, as Paul reminds us all. Uh, frequently is just a, an incredible achievement and a lot of it happened towards the end of the season so it just felt like there was this crest of a wave that Liverpool road where you know the Porto 5-0 you can't dismiss that the 4-3 they had games such as the 4-1 against West Ham the 3-0 against Bournemouth they obviously had Roma as well Man City but, but don't forget that they had this time last year they were beating Maribor 7-0 they were going to beat Spartak Moscow 7-0 they beat Watford uh, Watford they beat uh, West Ham 4-1 yeah. away. There were those kind of games. But, but, it's what, but it's what happened in between those games. Exactly. Yeah. So what I suppose my point is that that consistency wasn't there in between all of those games, whereas now it's starting to, to develop. Can you, can you do that and be consistent, not teams over 6-6? Six and six I, don't think, I don't think you can. Well, because, you can if you're Man City. Well, 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 and and herein lies the problem. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Herein lies the problem because hopefully at some point that will come back to bite them. It doesn't look like it is at the moment, but you know that that is the hope that 
eventually they, they get so used to turning over teams 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, whatever, that when a team actually stands up to them, and hopefully it's not just Liverpool twice a season, that they'll actually be knocked out of the stride. I think the other thing about Liverpool changing this season and why there's been a little bit of discontent or discomfort with it, if that's the right word, I think when things have gone wrong for Liverpool managers in the past, it's always because they've sort of moved away from what the beliefs that made them so good in the first place. So you think about Rafa and towards the time, his his t- end of his time at Anfield, and he just stopped being Rafa Benitez and, and he were conceding he was tired, goals. Though. He, he was, was tired no, no, because but, of all the infighting. It was, of course, but it, it reflected on. in his tactics and, and he had Philip Degen as a right-back. Degen! Um, to, <laughs> to, to, to quote Jamie Carragher, <laughs> Gerard Houllier obviously changed changed his style a little bit. Brendan Rodgers massively changed his style yeah. where he tried to go free at the back. I just think there was probably a little bit of worry there that you know Jurgen Klopp is this fantastic attacking coach. Liverpool have looked at the best when the hammering teams four five six nil. Or obviously not that score, but you get what I mean. They've been scoring goals for fun. And then all of a sudden, he's just almost done a 180, which is really, you know, comes as a bit of a surprise, really. Um, and I think that's probably where a bit of this comfort came from because it's a bit like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, but ultimately, some- it has been broke because they haven't won the league and they haven't won the Champions League. Weren't there some hints, though, in the in the recruitment over the past six, nine, 12 months? Because signed a centre-back in Van Dijk, signed a goalkeeper in Allison and signed a defensive midfielder. I know he's not played that often, but Fabinho. And that, that suggests to me that, right, I want to make this more solid team and he's going to change it a little bit. But I think the the assumption was, and this is a, a, the wrong assumption, is that they can play the same way, but you just drop these players in and therefore they'll be great defensively and great going forward. That takes time to, yeah, to, 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 to get is, that balance. Is that another way of perhaps underestimating the actual players and the manager as well? Because there has been a change of formation. He has switched to a 4-2-3-1 to get Shakiri and basically mm. he did say, like, we've got all these great players. I need to find a way of... of, of making them all fit. And I've been guilty as anybody, for example, take Firmino, we'll go back to him, where he hasn't quite looked himself in certain games and you think, well, why isn't he playing up front? But the switching formation has got Shakiri in. Shakiri's in, he's having a, having good games. Everybody agrees with that. Salah has now been scoring goals by being played in the central area and being more of a threat. Mane's been doing his thing. You know, he's had probably, he's had a decent season mm-hmm. so far. I mean, should we just give like the players credit for, yeah, for I, able I to for able I'm to adjust yeah. again? Again, it's Manchester City, the start and everything. It, yeah, it's it's yeah. the fact that if 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 this is most other seasons, Liverpool go. Oh my God, we're on thirty three points out of a possible thirty nine. One ten drawn three conceded conceded five, five goals. Five. That's better than five the. Goals. That's better than in the. Um, I think it's better than when it was 78, yeah, 16, 16 yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They can see the five against Manchester City last season in one game, albeit with 10 men for, for mm. the large portion of that. But they, they can see the three on the opening day, you know, against Watford. Yeah. yeah. So they can see the five goals and they it's just... They can see the five goals in the first five days of last season because we got the two... <laughs> uh, no, no, it wasn't. It was 2-1 at half nine, wasn't it? Yeah, it's wrong. But I think I think there has been a, a big change from how Klopp's gone about it. And I remember making a point after the Fulham game about Firmino thinking... I don't quite like seeing him in that position. I'd rather see him a little bit further forward as they've done on the nine. But for the opening goal on, on Saturday, you, you see you seen it working perfectly, didn't you? He was deep. He, he fed Mane on the left. The cross to Salah, who's now the striker. And, he, and Liverpool have got the, the all-important goal. So you do have to give, give Klopp. You cut him some slack and some credit where it's due. and um, He has tweaked it and Liverpool aren't quite at the, the absolute best that they were when they were at the best last season. But 
then again, they're not drawing three hole up off for the anymore. Do you? I mean, unlike you two, I'm old enough to remember actually physically being there and watching Liverpool win the league. And I was in nappies, mate. And the that's what I said. You weren't. You weren't. I, well, I, you were I, around, but you were You don't remember it. But that game against Watford was exactly the kind of performance that wins your leagues. I mean, yeah. any, any team is capable. Any team is capable of doing it. But Liverpool have earned victories like that quite a lot this season. Maybe not from the same scoreline. Look at Leicester away. They did it. Tottenham. They did it. Here they've done it. To a lesser extent, Huddersfield was a little bit the same. Obviously, Huddersfield, oh, aren't, quite, those games, like, Huddersfield aren't quite at the same level as any of those other teams, but they made life difficult for Liverpool. But Liverpool withstood what they offered and then just went up the other end and scored and that was that. Liverpool are the champions-elect. Liverpool are going to end their 28-year way for a Premier League title. Liverpool are the best team in England, apart from Manchester City. And herein lies the problem. I'm not even saying that necessarily Man City are a better team than Liverpool we've seen what happens when they go up against each other in 90 minute combat but over a 38 game season Manchester City have proven that they can do it and Liverpool are yet to prove it look Liverpool they've proven, they've proven it over 38 games just not a 38 game season, season exactly yeah. and, that, and that, that's yeah. a big thing and, and this the is Arsenal thing Arsenal were all, would always win the calendar yeah. it's yeah. like well hang on yeah. well it doesn't matter it doesn't and this, matter. this is why this is a massive period coming up for Liverpool because if they can get out of this this run of fixtures and get to the SEAD on January 3rd and still be within touching distance then it's a huge possibility because at that point the Champions League gets into the business end of the season there's, there's, there's all little bits and bobs that can go right and go wrong and Ultimately, though, what Liverpool Liverpool fans should—it's hard, isn't it? Because they should—they should appreciate this. Because I, I do believe that Liverpool, at the moment, is the best side of my lifetime in terms of the, the complete package. Um, they haven't got a trophy to, to lay, you know, to, to firm up that claim. But it is what it is at the moment. Liverpool fans should probably enjoy this because they are watching the Champions elect. If it wasn't for Manchester City, now. The reason they can't enjoy that is because it'd be absolutely horrible and it's it's not out of the realms of possibility that Liverpool get a 90-plus point season and don't win the Premier League. That's it, it could happen. It's interesting looking at what Pep Guardiola said uh, after West Ham. They beat West Ham. And he basically more or less said, look, the way Liverpool are playing is keeping us honest because they've got... We're having to produce all of this football to keep at bay this team that in all the history in the Premier League has got the best ever start to a season. And... Gary Neville said the same thing. He said, look, you know, I've, I've been in teams where we've been top of the table and you think if you've had such a good run, we're going to be well points clear. And then you look at it and go, hang on, they're only two points behind us. How's that happened? Yeah. We've got to look at it from the City point of view as well. But of course, City are bolstered by the fact they actually know how to do it. They didn't just win the league last year. They won it in 2014, of course. They won it in, was it 2012? Yeah, they won it in 2012 yeah. as well. They're a team, a club that knows exactly how to win a league. They've got a manager who certainly knows how to do it in three different countries now. And they've got players who've got you know, all international standard players who've probably all of them have won a title or two. So they know exactly what's needed. They do. And I suppose the point you're making there about City can easily apply to Chelsea as well. They've lost once this season and they're comfortably third. Um, so off. The oh, fourth, fourth, fourth. Yeah, that one, there you go. Yeah. They dropped the fourth because of exactly, Tottenham. Yeah. Tottenham were having their best start to a season ever, anywhere, at any time. Who've won the same amount of games as Liverpool, 10. And they're third. Yeah, so it just goes to show how strong the, the, the absolute best are this season. And any other season, Liverpool would be comfortably top and everyone would be booking the, booking the day off on, on the Sunday, wouldn't they? The Monday. No, we we try and book it off. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mentioned on Friday on the, on the pod that City have kind of got this this fear factor as well, haven't they? 
West Ham haven't been too bad. And to be fair, they had a couple of chances themselves on, on Saturday from what I've seen. Mikel Antonio with the post, I think he had one or two himself. Um, Problem is, it was a 3-0 then, wasn't it? But yeah. City has just gone there and, and they beat them before the game's even kicked off and they'll, they'll just stroll to victory. And for all the, the good performances and good results that Liverpool are getting, City are just matching it and then adding on a couple of goals and the goal difference is getting wider and, and it's just going to be so difficult for Liverpool. And what they need is for City to endure a little bit of a sticky patch at some point, whatever it may be, and just make sure that they capitalise on it as and when it happens. But Liverpool, at the moment, not looking like it's happening. Liverpool have got to play the perfect season. Yeah, But I, I believe Manchester City have got to play the perfect season. I think Chelsea probably have to play the perfect season. Tottenham, whoever. You could say probably Tottenham haven't because they've lost to Man City and Liverpool yeah, at yeah, home. So that's, lost, that's it. lost three. They're probably going to have to not lose another game yeah. all season. So they, they, because they will draw some at some point. Yeah, That would be funny if they didn't. That, that would be very weird. <laughs> that I, mean, be I reckon we should do a podcast just on that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a special. <laughs> 38 games without a draw. That's what happens? Some go in that. Any, any Asian betting markets <laughs> gone, gone, gone a weird way there? But yeah. it's, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because I think Liverpool fans should be celebrating what they're watching. It might be the prettiest football, certainly compared to last season. Um, I still pretty, think it's, it was a pretty last goal, though, wasn't it? It was a, it was a, it was a very pretty last goal. And in fact, a pretty second goal. Yeah. Fact, and a pretty no, the first last, goal they were all, they were all pretty yeah. well I mean the for me no, it was just a bit of a nod in wasn't it but it was, no, a, it but was, it was the way the, that it came, the, yeah. where it came about I mean it t- Klopp turned the air blue didn't he he, he certainly did <laughs> he was made up wasn't he what, yeah. a, what, a, what, a, what, what a potty bleeding, mouth what, yeah. a, what a bleed encounter he said <laughs> yeah he did what a flipping encounter yeah. like it was if yeah. Joe was here he'd be just he'd just go two feet first but yeah you know it's so Liverpool are playing fantastic stuff even if it's not necessarily at the level of last season just yet Parthia says just enjoy it and then Parthia says why can't Manchester City just bugger off yeah is that, are we allowed, are we allowed, allowed to be that? Uh, we're probably not but I'm going to let it slide yeah. Yeah. well not you can do well it's <laughs> it now, isn't it? well, yeah. we can always edit it out we don't edit anything else here yeah we well you're, you've never listened to it yeah. when you go on your massive rants <laughs> <laughs> suddenly they're cut down from 15 minutes to 2 hello welcome to Blood Red Podcast <laughs> with me and Doyle Paul Gorse <laughs> <laughs> And no Christy Walsh. Indeed. Uh, It wasn't all great news uh, at Watford on Saturday because the skipper, Jordan Henderson, came back. And, you know, I thought he had a decent game. He was on for a 7 out of 10, everybody. He was going to get a 7 out of 10. How dare you? And then he got himself sent off. Needlessly, uh, Klopp, you'd have to say, did see it coming because he was about to sub him. (laughs) uh, And then didn't have to because he just came off anyway. Um, good captain. Good, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. don't, don't worry about me, boss. Yeah. <laughs> I'll save me the bother. Yeah. I'll save me the bother. I'm just going to go straight down up the tunnel. Um, but why waste one of your subs? Why, uh, indeed, indeed. Um, so, so I, at least I got to give him a rating. <laughs> Except I didn't, did I? Uh, anyway, the Blood Red Podcast brought to you by Footy Five. Play today at thepools.com. Come back to the question. Won't ask about the sending off because clearly it was a sending off. Um, was it just Henderson guilty of being a little bit too eager to impress and the yeah. fact that he's now not going to be playing in the derby next week for all his critics and there are obviously several and certainly some of the people who are listening to this podcast now are probably throwing stuff at the mobile device or whatever they're listening to this on that will he be missed? Yeah, oh, undoubtedly. Uh, it was it was a bit like a bull in a china shot, wasn't he? And maybe because he's been injured and he's been out the team, and the results have kind of stayed the, the way they were. That he knows that there's big competition for places in that midfield, and it was just a couple of innocuous challenges, weren't they? And he knew it was coming because he walked off before he'd even looked at the red card. He was halfway down the tunnel when when the red was out, and 
he will be missed, yeah, in the derby because Liverpool will will need they need the captain out there and for what he brings in terms of his energy and his athleticism and, and just his physical attributes just before you even talk about him getting on the ball because it's going to be a battle let's be honest it always is Merseyside derby whether it's at Anfield or Goodison so we'll be missed in that respect and also he'll be missed because he's a very good player and I think we're all of the opinion of that aren't we Jordan Henderson obviously a lot of people aren't but he, he will be missed yeah I just, I, I'm, I'm bored of talking about Jordan Henderson I will talk about some but I just don't we'll have try and think of something new Let, let's try and think of something new I know, that, just, you, I know that you, you, got got involved, you got involved in a... He has had a haircut. I actually mm. mentioned that as well. He, he looked like he meant business and then a bit, bit too much. He got sent off, obviously. That was only the fifth red card that uh, Liverpool have had under Jurgen Klopp in 173 games, which, using basic mathematics uh, yesterday, I worked out that that ratio is something like 34 games or something like that. Every 34 games, there's a, there's a red card, which is the second best in the Premier League year for, for Liverpool managers, second only to... Roy Hodgson? No. He had, I think he had two or three in his time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. B- bunch of choir boys down aren't they, Liverpool. They're a bit, bit too nice. Well, second only to Roy Evans is Liverpool. Well, yeah, that, that says a lot. And I, and I know that the rules have changed, so it's a lot easier to get booked mm. than perhaps it was back back then. But is Gorsi right? Are Liverpool just a bunch of choir boys? Or I, I don't know if it's quite... Is that a bit harsh? I think that's a little bit harsh, Paul. I, I think it might be a case of that that a bit more... You, you don't really see Liverpool players doing what Henderson did mm-hmm. at Watford very often. I think the very... I think Klopp manages the game well when players are on yellow cards. Um, I think he sometimes saves them by taking them off. I remember Trent was on a yellow very early on at the Essay last season. Um, Somebody went half-time, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, f- I feel that you very rarely see a player on a yellow and then I, I, I wouldn't. it wouldn't surprise me if there is almost like a... A, a, a session in training of what to do when you're on yellow cards and to make sure that you're not sent off. Because well, they, they also do sessions playing against 10 men and playing with 10 men. So they have been perfect. And they did score one of the goals when they were down to 10 men as well. Look, don't, don't get me wrong as well, by the way. The, the, Henderson's yellow, if it's a first yellow, is a brilliant yellow. Because Capoue, all right, he's not necessarily going to do loads of damage, but you take it. Well, his first, yellow, his first yellow was a brilliant one because success yellow. was going down, going down the line and he just took him out. And it's funny enough, you saw the replay. And he was actually getting fouled, Henderson. Mm. He was getting his shirt pulled, which obviously nobody saw at the time. So but, uh, I suppose, you could argue he was a bit unlucky. I suppose herein lies the criticism of Henderson is that he's found himself in two situations there where he's had to make these excellent fouls. fouls. But ultimately, at this, this point, will you know, the reason I say I'm bored, I've been a little bit facetious, the reason I say I'm bored is because I feel like he's one of those players, and this is one of those debates now where you've picked your side. It's like um, the... The vampires are of Twilight, isn't it? Your sort of team Jacob and team team Edwards, team Edwards and team Jacob. You may just be talking. You're pro, you're pro Henderson or you're anti Henderson, and despite anybody sort of saying, "I'm in the middle about Jordan Henderson," not really. The, the, can the, can the pro you be or anti. pro Henderson and pro Fabinho? Yeah, of yes. course, can exactly. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah I'm glad that we pointed out. Yeah, it, point, I'm so glad that we pointed out. Battle lines are drawn, and but, people are so entrenched. Well, there we go. That's it. That's it. Yeah. it. That's basically the vampire arguments, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the two vampires and, and all the teenage girls have got to choose one: is it Team Jordan or is it Team Fab? And ultimately, the the the, the thing about Henderson is that. He clearly serves a purpose for this Liverpool team. Ian Klopp wouldn't keep up. There's not some sort of weird, you know, reason that he keeps on picking him. It's not some sort of Illuminati that says <laughs> Jordan Henderson's got to play football for Liverpool Football Club. Like if, you, if, if, if Jürgen Klopp's got rid of plenty of players in his time at Liverpool, 
because they weren't good enough for the team. And he hasn't done that with Jordan Henderson yet. So, you know, there must be a reason why he's keeping him. The the problem is he he he, he brings out all of these emotions and, and there is no sort of middle ground, as, as I was saying before. You're either, I think you're either pro-Henderson or you're anti-Henderson. And I think we're probably involved in that because I'm pro-Henderson. I think Gorsi's pro. I think a lot of us around the table are pro Henderson. I think Joe. Is a lot of us pro- around. There's only three of us. For, sorry, a lot of us <laughs> who sit around the table are pro Henderson. Oh, I know, for sorry. example, Paul Philbin. He's a, he's anti Henderson. He's somebody who doesn't feel like Henderson serves his purpose in the midfield. I don't want to put words in his mouth because he's not here, but he's obviously on the podcast a, a fair bit. So, I just think ultimately, this black and white situation, it doesn't need to stop because people can say what they want, but it's just. There are nuances to this argument, and ultimately, surely, if nothing else, he's he's a decent squad player. I don't think. I think plenty of teams have won Premier League titles with Jordan Henderson in their squad. The good news is that we can talk about him again in a bit. But first, <laughs> first off, uh, bonus Christian for the young Reds. The under twenty threes have struggled a little bit this season. It's fair to say. I think they were something like down in eighth of a twelve team league, but they won the mini derby on Sunday. Uh, 1-0, deflected goal from Rafa Camacho, which Adam Lewis had a shot on it, kind of flicked off him and uh, went in. But one of the stars of the show was a 16-year-old Dutchman who I've seen play for the under-18s and he only joined, I think, earlier this year, didn't he? Was it this summer? It was this summer, wasn't it, yeah? Who is, and I can never pronounce his name, Kijana Hoover. Hoover. Is it Hoover? Hoover or Hoover. I mean, for the, for we the sake of puns, yeah, he's, he's Hoover. He's Hoover. <laughs> but, you know, I've seen him play and he certainly doesn't look like a 16-year-old playing football, let's put it that way. Well, he's 16 playing for the under-23s and we, we know that Curtis Jones got that um, that call up at, at that age for the under-23s. You've, you've got to be a special player and a talent that a lot of people are getting excited about if you're playing. I think playing. Trent was 17 when he got called Trent up. was 17. Yeah, yeah. He's coming through as a right back, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I always think that's a really good grounding for a player. I mean, you look at Trent, you look at Gerard. I know he wasn't always a right back, but you look at Carragher as well. These Carragher was centre mid. He's centre mid, but he also played right yeah. back a little bit. Um, these players, I think you see a lot of the pitch when you when you're a right back. I think you you learn the defensive aspect, you learn the the aspect of distribution. I think you see a lot of the of what's going on in front of you. I think it's a good position to play. Um, he's sixteen, which is crazy. Because when I was 16, I was in, in my bills watching, <laughs> watching, watching South Park. Um, so Hang he's on, already. How old are you now? 31. And you still do that, though, don't you? I do that, yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't wear any bills. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Took it away, son. <laughs> yeah. Go still uh, to you. I'm just no, going to no, 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 say He's 16 years of age and, and you know, he's from the IX Academy. A lot of clubs were interested in him and Liverpool managed to really pull off a coup to get him. The fact that he's, I wouldn't say getting fast track because I think he's been helped with a couple of injuries and a couple of, you know, problems. There were international call-ups. Yeah, exactly. And the under-23s have had, as we say, not had a great start and they were very decimated for the, the 7-0 defeat mm. last week in the uh, Premier League International Cup against Villarreal. But what does that say about... He who, played in that game. He did, well, he I was going to say, that what's that game, player, yeah. but what does that say about him that he played in that game with the 7-0 and then put in a performance like that against Everton under-23s? It shows you're already at the age of 16. A lot of 16-year-olds would have been absolutely distraught by that, but he dusted himself off and put in a man-of-match performance. And it must be pointed out, Gorsi, that Everton under-23s are actually top of that particular league and they, the way that the Everton are set up as a club, they put great value in not only yeah. just the yeah. progress of the players individually but also as a collective and they treat 
the Premier League Two, as it's called, as a series competition. They won it, uh, I think, eighteen months ago. Didn't yeah, they? they did. They won it um, the season before last, and they finished second last season. Yeah. So, Everton have, have got great uh, history of, of blooding in youngsters, haven't they, and getting them through to the Premier League. Um, on the subject of, of Hoover, is, is that how we pronounce it? Don't say Hoover, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean. It, it, you mentioned he's 16, he looks like a bit of a mountain already, doesn't he? And he's playing out at right back, and I think the club have got hopes for him moving into centre back eventually, haven't he? Mm. Um, Wait, it's all right for Gomez, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've only seen a couple of appearances for him, but he looks like a player, and I know he's someone who the club have got massive hopes for long term. I mean, what did you think of the under-23s overall? I mean, as we say, they have been struggling. Is this a reason because Liverpool have made a conscious decision to let some of their better players go out on loan? When you look at Ajari, could have stayed. Woodburn could have stayed, although he may well be coming back in, in January. We know that Sheffield United are in talk with Liverpool over that. Sheffield United haven't ruled out keeping him there, but whether they'll need him, I don't know. He's not had much of a look in. Ryan Kent's obviously been playing up at Rangers. There's been Wilson. one or two. Yeah, Wilson at Derby, Herbie Kane. He's doing I mean, good, good things g- at Doncaster. Grewich was playing a lot yeah. of under-23s football last season. Now he's at Hertha Berlin. So it just goes to show you that the I think Klopp has changed his mind about how he deals with with loan deals and, yeah. and, 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 and how to progress players. I think he, he initially thought that the best way to do it was, was to keep them all in-house. And I think he's realised actually there's no better substitute. Um, it, it's weird because he, he he's obviously made that change of, of philosophy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's been a hit and miss philosophy now because, as you say, Ben Woodburn's gone out there and he's, he's done very little. Um, not his fault, it's just the fact that Mark Duffy, scouser, funnily enough, is is turning it up for Sheffield United and they're massively in a promotion battle. But then you've got someone like Harry Wilson where it does work. Grewich did okay at Cardiff. Ryan Kent wasn't, you know, didn't have the best time at um, Freiburg. So, you know, it's up and down, isn't it? I suppose this is what makes players and, and when you see if they really have, have got it in them to become actual Liverpool first-teamers in the future. But I think that is... I think the un-23s has ultimately been collateral and I, I don't think that's a problem, to be fair. I, I, I think that, you know, you go back to Liverpool's Youth Cup winner sides of uh, 2006 and 2007... You know, very successful. They've they've got medals, but where are they all now? And what did they do? Don't get me wrong. There were a few who who did make it. Obviously, who um, played a few games for Liverpool. I think obviously Stephen Darby was was one who who played under Rafael Benitez. Um, but a lot of those players also just got lost in the shuffle and ended up. And the, yes, they were successful at the age of under eighteen, but they were prepared. They were they were they were coached with the idea of being a successful team rather than becoming a successful player. And I feel like that's where the difference is now. Yeah. Liverpool, it doesn't matter if they finish 10th in, in Premier League 2, um, as long as the players are actually sort of developing and, and, and getting ready for the first team. Before the derby, though, there is a small matter of a Champions League game against Paris Saint-Germain yes. on Wednesday. Now, looking at the table, the group, it's so tight that we know that if Liverpool beat Napoli by more than one goal on the final game, that they're already through. However, we also know that if they beat Paris Saint-Germain on Wednesday, they're through with the game to spur. Now, bear in mind that if Liverpool draw or lose, it doesn't change what they have to do in the final game. Should they therefore? Does it slightly? I, I mean, we're assuming that one Napoli, goal, and, yeah. We're assuming that also we're assuming that Napoli beat Red Star mm. at home. By the which way, they there, will, which they will, because as much as Liverpool lost a Red Star, they're still by far they the weakest team. At home, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and PSG but, put six on them. But if it's a draw, do Liverpool not have to just win by one? I don't know off the top of my head, to be honest. Keep talking. Keep, yeah, you can work that out. You, you, but, st- you stole the listeners. Yeah, yeah but, but the point there being... Lovely day. The point there being, 
realistically speaking, a draw or a defeat, no difference. Should Liverpool therefore just go for it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought, thought that's what you were going to ask me, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Um, I think Liverpool are perfectly set up, and we don't really see it too often from them, actually, but they're perfectly set up for, to play a counter-attacking game. Think of the amount of teams that Liverpool play. There's only a handful who Liverpool are going to be going into it quite worried that this team can hurt us, seriously hurt us, and, you know, PSG would probably come under under that remit, you know, with the players they've got at home. So if they if Jürgen Klopp can kind of set it up as a counter attacking type of a performance, then they've got the 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 pace and the, and the ability up front to to catch PSG on the counter attack. So why not uh, try that out and, and go for it? And ultimately, as you say, whether, whether they win, lose, or draw, it doesn't change a whole lot for that that final game against Napoli, does it? So just go and try and win it. A, really? dr- a draw, a draw means any Liverpool win sends them through because they will finish above PSG. Interesting, really. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I did not know that because they're, they're currently a point ahead of PSG. So obviously, nothing, nothing gained, nothing lost against PSG. Mm. So a victory will keep them at arm's length. So well, okay, okay. We could then rephrase the question, I suppose, in some way and say that you know, well, Liverpool are not a team that plays for a draw, and when they've had games where they've kept it tight, I'm thinking of Villarreal away in the Europa League the other year. There's been one or two games where they've, they've not looked completely convincing. Do you just have to play the normal game, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I, 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 go, I sort of going back to what we said before um, about managers sort of betraying the philosophies. I think when Jürgen Klopp's done that, it hasn't really worked. And I think Villarreal is a good one where they I'm, held on for 90 minutes and then conceded in the last moment. But because they've now learned how to control Premier League games, it's interesting really, isn't it? Because I'm sure Liverpool have conceded probably as many goals in the Champions League this season as they have in the Premier League over the past 20 games or something stupid. It's probably worth finding yeah, that yeah. out because what? they seem to be conceding more goals in Europe now than they did mm. in the past. In, but it's hard to really explain why when they've learned how to control games so well in the Premier League. I think it, I think it's two different skill sets, to be honest. Like, I also think what you've got to notice is that I think PSG would be easily a top... Well, they'd be yeah, a top PSG four are quite side. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think Napoli would yeah. be pushing for top four as well. So when everybody was celebrating and saying this is exactly what you want from the Champions League the big clashes it's like hmm, do you really though because I think a lot of people wrote off yeah. Napoli at the I'd, time I'd I think, yeah, yeah on an Echo FC I don't, know, <laughs> don't know how we got in there but you know, <laughs> hey, on the match top, like, yeah. <laughs> top four that's all we need so I think it's two different skill sets and what you've got also got to take into consideration is that Liverpool are in a very very hardly even even the pot four side there, and I know it's obviously hindsight now, but they drew with Napoli. They, they beat Liverpool in a red start. The, the, everybody assumes there when we're, everyone's making the permutations, by the way, that the PSG go to Belgrade and roll them over. Yeah. I don't think that's a given, mm-hmm. considering the mm-hmm. way that their, their games have gone at home. I would start. imagine, though, that if they needed to do it, they'd do it. You just don't know, though, do you? I wouldn't, you know, you just don't know. You really just don't know. That atmosphere can't be taken for granted, by yeah, the way. It clearly got to Liverpool. Yeah. And I think. PSG might be not as mentally tough as Liverpool. But maybe a, who mm. knows? They certainly don't play in atmospheres like that in France. Yeah. But then Liverpool that was the worst play. performance of the season for Liverpool. Worst performance yes, on the club yeah. in a, in a while. Worst for that Napoli. Yeah, well, but that Napoli was a little bit different because they were minutes away from getting a draw against a, a top European side. Against Red Star, they just crumbled in the and one Sturridge put that over the bar early on. Did never really look like scoring. But the Napoli game is the is the war and shot for Liverpool because. Um, you know, they tried to control that game. There you go. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what I mean. They tried to control the game, and it just it just went wrong. And ultimately, they weren't controlling. They were clinging on from from an hour in. Yeah. Um, so, 
I don't think Liverpool can try and go to PSG and try and control it. I think they've just got to play their natural game, mainly because I think their natural game plays perfectly against PSG. I think PSG will leave gaps. I think they'll look, they, they've, they're under all the pressure. They've got to go forward. They know a draw probably won't be enough, ultimately. Um, so, you know, they don't want to lose this game because if they lose, they're pretty much out. So it's, it's very much a, a situation where there will be gaps to exploit. There will be counter-attacking op- opportunities, and and it's very nice to see Liverpool clicking on the counter-attack. And that's probably why Jurgen Klopp was talking about that counter because he, he's finally seeing that the things that made Liverpool so good last season, and he can certainly use it to their advantage in Paris. So, what are we talking in terms of the team selection? I mean, I must admit, I thought Fabinho would have been nailed on to start this game until Henderson's just been sent off. I think now, Henderson's, now I think Henderson's booked himself. Play. Yeah, booked yeah. himself a position, hasn't he? What do we think? We'll go with the well, keeper, obviously. What are we saying in the back four, then? But don't. What are we saying for the back four? Gomez. And Gomez Lovren. and Lovren. Yeah. I think I'll go along with that. Gomez and Lovren. Yeah. I think Chan's got to play the derby. Yeah. Gomez and Lovren, I'm going to go with that. In terms of, obviously, Lovren being centre-back alongside Van Dijk yeah, and Gomez yeah. being right back. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a bit more solid, isn't it? Are we formation 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3? 4-3-3. 4-3-3. Yeah. It's yeah. all about the transitions. So you're going to put Firmino back up front? Yes. Front three is normal. I think he might go four two three one, you know, but with a solid three. Almost maybe like not, a almost not, yeah, like a four two one three. If that yeah, makes then sense. Yeah, th- then he might put Milner on the right. I, I, I think, think Milner will play. Yeah. Milner, Wijnaldum. I think it'll be. Play. I think it will be the trademarked Champions League away. What Milner, Wijnaldum, Henderson. Yes. So we. Used- yeah, yeah. Uh, I still think four two three one. Oh, don't get me wrong. He, he might, he might sort of, he might move, um, you know, Milner a little yeah. bit more advanced or Wijnaldum. Um But I think it will. I think that will be the midfield three. No, I wouldn't no be. Security a, starting though. No, because no, I think no. he, he starts the derby. I think he could come yeah. on as well. Um, I, I also wouldn't be adverse to throwing Cater in there. It's a big call, but I just think there will be pockets of space there to exploit. And if Liverpool can get somebody who can carry that ball from midfield to attack from a deeper position, then they've got a real chance. Who wasn't playing for Paris Saint-Germain in the first game? Who's back? Uh, Verratti. That's the one. Yes. Yeah, that's and the Buffon. one. Yeah, well, Buffon, yeah. Mm. He's definitely playing, but Verratti was the one, wasn't yeah. he? Because he played Marquinhos as, yeah. a centre, as a centre-mid. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. Did no. he? he didn't see their midfield at all in that, that first game. No. Which that'll be interesting, won't it? Because that's something, that's something that they won't have, Liverpool won't have dealt with, one of the mm. very few things. I suppose it was well, though, if you play the... If you play that, that solid midfield... Maybe it renders Verratti redundant, or, or or maybe it's the other the other side where it allows Verratti to concentrate on going on the front foot. So do you play a player like Naby Keita there or Shakiri to to occupy him? That's why I play Henderson, I think, because if Verratti sees loads of the ball, he's he's going to pick out Neymar and, and mm-hmm. Bap, isn't he? So Henderson's energy is going to be needed to to get up and press him as best as you can. What are we talking for a scoreline then? Go Final on, words. Go see you go first. If I'll go first. 2-2. Two, two. I was going to say 2-2 two, two, and I, I did, we all did the thing didn't we on Friday of being worried about Watford. I, I think, said they'd lose. Yeah, I think me and James said they'd draw and you said they'd lose but I'm a little bit more confident. But I love that, uh, the fact that they, go, they went to Watford who are, who are not brilliant and you're like, ooh, and now they're going to go to PSG who are brilliant. I think it's because Liverpool have turned up in the, in the big games for years and they've always been stung in the, 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 against the lesser lights. I think that's what well, it might be, but yeah, I'll say 2-2. Two, 2-2, two. Two, 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 two. PSG will win. Christian? Sorry, I just... Uh, what score? 5-0? No, no, 3-1. Uh, 3-1? Yeah. So you think Liverpool are going to concede 3? Yeah. 
I'm only score one. Feats for your predictions. I'm, I'm the anti Loro. Yeah. yeah. What would James say if he was here now? Four uh. three. <laughs> yeah, <promises> Liner. <laughs> he, he would say all of those things, but what do you reckon his score prediction would be? <laughs> I think Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I got to win 7 0. <laughs> and on that inappropriate bombshell, we shall end this podcast. Join us later this week where we will look back on Liverpool's Champions League trip to Paris Saint Germain and look ahead to the Merseyside derby against Everton. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.